This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios, in the crap part of Soho, Men in Blazers World Headquarters, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Not just any podcast, David. It's the morning after the debut show of the night before yep. podcast. There's now something in the world that is even worse than our podcast. Our TV show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, not only our TV show, it is the third season of our TV show. Shocking. Which is guaranteed to be worse than the second season, which was definitely worse than the first season. Especially because we're not even close to being match fit, are we, David? <laughs> no, no, exactly. We're like Arsenal, Rog. But we just want to say... It was that pre-season <laughs> trip to China that really <laughs> wore out our legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were ready for it before yeah. we had to go there to, yeah. to take a little field trip to the sweatshop yeah. in Zhangzhou province, yeah. which is working very yeah. fast mm. on making cats for us for reasons I will explain in a second. Yeah, before we were I do, by a cat. I just want to say thank you, America, mm-hmm. for being such a free nation that you even allow bald men on television. Thank you. It's forbidden in our birthland. It is. Well, with a Pep Guardiola exception. Frankly, as it should be. Yeah, very true. We got a load of tweets last night. It was fantastic. Lex, J-Dubs, banging out the old show Twitter. Mm -hmm. Some fantastic stuff. At J-Eddy tweeted us to say, so Men in Blazers is now in the 8.30 time slot. (laughs) Easily NBC's worst decision since giving Joey from Friends a spin-off. Yeah. Hashtag, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? Um, yeah. Our friend Jason Gate. Yeah. Of the oh, Wall Street Jason Journal. Gay. He summed up the Men in Blazers show best. <laughs> he tweeted at us. He said, every expense spared. Should <laughs> <laughs> uh, be our new motto, David. Yeah. And we did. We did introduce the world to a new star. Yeah. Who I think, I, I, I would say, will soon be bigger than us, but frankly already is. Yeah. For and those who didn't by see soon the show, I mean already. For yeah. those who didn't see the show, we were very inspired by the Premier League's new lion logo wipe transition graphic. Yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's because you have been hypnotized and brainwashed yeah. over the past week by watching yeah. the Premier League it, replay wipe lion. If you if you it's or anyone terrifying. in your family history yeah. has ever suffered from epilepsy or any form of seizures, don't watch. Don't. Don't watch. Just but don't do it. It's, it. it's a graphic that a lot of people have commented upon because... Can I describe it? Yes, please describe it. Because I duck every time it kind of <laughs> flings itself towards me. I, I, I light a candle before I go to bed now yeah. saying, thank you for 3D television for not taking off. Or yeah. like literally I'd have soiled knickers yeah. every time I watch a Premier League game. This line, if you've you not seen knickers. it... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Rubber ones. When I watch That's football. amazing. It's amazing what I still learn about my friend yeah. after uh, doing this for seven years. Sometimes I just lose myself <laughs> while I'm watching the football. You've got to be prepared. I said, I said, I said this lion, I, don't, I was trying to think about how to describe it. Yeah. Essentially, shut your eyes. Think about Sam Allardyce <laughs> making love to a lion in the wild. Yeah. And th- the the product of that, probably illegal union, mm. being a lion-human offspring. That's what the lion looks like to me. It's yeah. got this hint in its eyes of, uh, of, of the big Sam, yeah. as Pep called him. Uh, whatever. We don't particularly... You think, from a production perspective, that you, you think there's something off with it, right? Well, look, the... On the whole, it is, it's very common in sports. Look, there's a, there's a wipe transition graphic on B in sports going off in the background with multicolours, and they use it 
breaking from live action into a slow motion replay and then coming back out of a replay into live action to indicate that you're back in live action or you're leaving live action. Usually they're very fast, usually they're multicolored, they're multi-layered, but you don't usually notice them because they happen quite fast. There's something about that Premier League lion transition graphic white thing. Lion. That it's only two-dimensional. It's only in white. It's got one color. Yeah. It isn't really a color. White. And it looks like Sam Allardyce. And yet, well, maybe because it looks like Sam Allardyce. <laughs> it is, you can't take your eyes off it. It is hypnotic. And it, you're aware of it every single time it comes on. But also, they don't seem to just use it going into a slow motion picture and coming out of a slow motion picture. They seem to use it constantly at times when it just goes over a live action picture. And by, by they... You I'm mean- meaning Premier League productions, not NBC. This is not NBC's graphic. This has nothing to do with the fine folks up in Stamford, Connecticut. This is comes from London uh, or wherever the uh, Premier League productions are based. So we decided yeah. we'd make our own yeah. wipe. Yeah. A uh, tribute, as yeah. it were. A, tri- a, um, a pien. A pien. A pien. Yeah. A pien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To the Sam Allardyce Premier yeah. League wipe lion. And we found a cuddly cat. Yeah. We still had lying around from the Chuck Blazer cat <laughs> it was, apartment it was days. The, yeah, it was it just was. lying around. Did anybody notice that on social, that it was from our Chuck Blazer episode? No, but it, yeah. we found literally it was dusty and it was in the corner of, yeah. uh, of the panic room. Mm-hmm. It was our own transition graphic. It, was. it worked very well. It was, less, it was less noticeable than the one that the Premier League use. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we wanted to call it Cat Jennings. <laughs> but over social media, it seems to be called now Crap Cat. And crap, it's cra- cat. crap Cat has already become bigger than us. Oh, Crap Cat needs its own show. It's big. Well, I think like The Simpsons came out of the Tracy Ullman show eight. and everyone <laughs> forgot about the Tracy Ullman show. I've got a feeling yeah. Crap Cat is going to yeah. be like massive. Oh. And the Men in Blazers show, as it should be, yeah. will just be a footnote you in the what? dustpan of history. Can I tell you something? I'm going to be hearing from Crap Cat's agent later today. You- <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't already. Nick can't. Almost certainly. Lads, Crap Cat is Lads, I don't represent you anymore because we've got yeah. a conflict of interest. I know. What, what yeah. conflict of interest do we have, yeah. Nick? Yeah. Uh, uh, CC. We're Who's looking, CC? We're Crap looking, Cat. We're looking for a $2 million contract. <laughs> um, we will see. And amazing, we do want, we do want to invite our listeners yeah. to use your own iPhones. Yeah. Send us your own ideas of Premier League wipes. You can use anything yeah. that you have to hand. You can use yeah. your own Crap Guinness. Cat. You can use your own cat. You can use your own infants whatever you have to hand at home thrust them towards your camera and producer jw and producer lexi will choose the best one mm-hmm. and use them on our next show which is in september the 12th is that 2017 or 2018 <laughs> they're not trying to put us on too often this year they're, they're just poor yeah just ease us in but anyway the other thing i'm fascinated about this football season david yeah so those, send your own crap cats or your own crap yeah. Guinnesses or your own crap, whatever you've got that you yeah. want to thrust towards a camera that you think will be better than the Sam, Sam Allardyce Premier League white lion. Just send them to us, <laughs> yeah. Blazers at gmail.com or the Twitter or whatever else. Uh-huh. The other thing I'm fascinated about this season, David, is just the changes of the names of so many stadia to which yeah. we become really attached to emotionally. Mm-hmm. New names, new stadia, new feelings. Don't, yeah. don't, I'm a little disoriented. Yeah, it's very true. What was once the Britannia yeah. of Stoke City is now the... It's now the Bet365, always with a lowercase b. Lowercase b. Lowercase b. Hull's KC Stadium. It's now the KCOM. Oh, the KCOM. The KCOM. Yeah. 
This made me realise, David. The Olympic Stadium, Rod, is now London, London. Stadium. Not, not, the not, London. not the London not Stadium. Not the London Stadium. It's London God Stadium. Yeah, London Stadium. London Stadium. So uh, we are so Gun off... down London Stadium. We are so off trend, David. Yeah. Just calling the panic room the panic room. Oh, we need to get it sponsored. We need to rename it something that just screams out football. The Crap Cat Arena. Or... The Cars for Kids. Ah. Oh. Panic Room. Maybe not. We just get rid of the Panic Room and just call it The Cars for Kids. Yeah. Or live from The Cars for Kids. The, live from the Proactive Plus Acne Treatment Centre. This is a good idea for NBC Sports Network. They can uh, they, can, they, they can monetize our crap television can, program by call. selling the naming rights to our Panic we'll Room. We'll get a phone call in a minute, going, lads. You remember The Panic Room? We'll be like, yeah. Well, it's yeah. now called The Depends yeah. Panic Room. Yeah, we <laughs> could be very appropriate sponsor. Question is, Dave, do these uh-huh. brands have to pay us for the honour, or do we have to pay them for selling probably their brand? Have to pay them. We probably have to pay probably them. Probably have to pay them. Yeah, well, so if you're listening, cars for kids, people, we'll yeah. see if we can work out some kind of a deal. Genius. <sighs> I'm done. We got a pack show, Rod. We're <laughs> going to recap a scratchy nil-nil draw between Feral Jamie Vardy's Leicester and Avian Arsen Wenger's. Arsenal. We break down Paul Pogba's impressive return to Old Trafford in Man United's 2-0 win over Southampton. And we celebrate one of the most American wear tees derbies in history. Definitely in the Lyndon top 10 American. Gooch's Sunderland against Bradley Guzan's Borough. Plus a Pacific Northwest clash with MLS playoff implications. And a play target fantasy. Update, 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 update. Okay, Rog, time to crack open the Guinness. You're going for the Guinness draft. I've got the Guinness Blonde. It's still warm outside, Roger. Need some of this American lager. The perfect, perfect Guinness for summer. Yeah, I like to always pretend it's winter, but I'll raise you a glass and say to a weekend of late goals. Yeah. Weekend of curious penalty decisions. Mm -hmm. Weekend of bubbles. Yeah, I love bubbles. But above all, a weekend of crazy garbs, Dave. At Spear Kerry, he said Arsenal in yellow and grey. Manchester City in Burgundy, Liverpool in lime green. What is this crazy world in which we live? Yeah, very. A world in which the Premier League teams can't make enough money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very true. Chelsea in white, also. Virginal, virginal, innocent white. Okay, we are now 238ths of the way through the Premier League season, Rog. It reduces to 119th. And the big club's new managers are, in the words of the late Dennis Green, who we thought they were. But before we get to them, Leicester, City, nil, Arsenal, nil. After deflating opening weekend losses for both teams, Rog, last year's champion and last year's runner-up, treat us to a discordant goalless draw at the King Power. You know, we say this was a battle between last season's first and second place teams. It felt eerily like this season's first relegation six-pointer. Yeah. I mean, both teams feeling slightly different levels of pressure after their shocking opening day implosions. And the big question everyone in football was asking, Dave, would Arsenal, would they do it for Harvey? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, they certainly didn't do it for Harvey. They didn't. Rog. They didn't. And the omens were not good going into the game because the big story was Riyad Mahrez signing a new four-year contract, ending any speculation that he'd leave the Premier League champions for Arsenal Mm. this summer. Poor Arsene Wenger. He had to face down the team that was 2-11th made up of players who'd spurned him, as Jamie Vardy had done earlier. Both Mores and Ratman using Arsenal as leverage for new deals 
at Leicester, which Leicester fans just deliriously reveled in, chanting from the off, Jamie Vardy is a blue, he hates Arsenal. And poor Wenger, Davo, he must have felt like Jennifer Aniston having to play against Mahrez's Brad Pitt and Jamie Vardy's Angelina Jolie. I feel everything for him this season. Yeah, no, definitely feel for him. Uh, Riyad Mahrez, Rog, interesting in this game, with his contract settled, with his decision to stay confirmed, I thought he had a much better game. He did. I mean, he was the, the Leicester fans bellowed, um, Riyad Mahrez thinks you're at, uh, at Arsene Wenger from behind the bench. But from the off, Leicester sat deep. Arsenal attempted to set the rhythm. And the first half was really a midfield stalemate, broken up only by fouls and a bit of argy-bargy. Two nervy teams, a loss for either of them, a terrifying spectre, risk kept to a minimum. All the way of saying it was a bit crap. <laughs> the NBC first half highlights, Rog, were just a succession of pushes, tumbles, and late fouls. In slow motion. That was the only thing we saw. Beautifully choreographed. Yeah. But, I mean, the football was so turgid. I spent most of the first half trying to solve an unsolvable mystery. Which was? Was Leicester's field cut by Paul Pogba's oh. barber? <laughs> or does Paul Pogba have his hair cut by Leicester's groundsman? Yeah, and, and, and was it Paul Pogba's barber or was it Leicester's groundsman responsible for the graffiti at one end of the Via Filberto? The TIFO. Yeah. I think it was done by the NYCFC people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Football, looked like it. Football graffiti, the worst kind of graffiti. But watching Leicester, it's like seeing a football team living out this part of the Cinderella story where it's gone midnight and the stagecoach has turned into a pumpkin. Just passes at last season would find Vardy on the break and now hitting the final defender. Mm. And Golo Kante's forward buccaneering has not been replaced. And shots that they used to fire that would go top corner and now flying two feet or more over the bar. And certainly you see the way that teams are going to adjust to playing against Leicester this season. They're just not going to possess, 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 charge down the field and let them take them on the counter again and again and again. At Matt Tynan tweeted, I haven't seen a Jamie lose his skills this fast since the Kingslayers hand came off. Let's just say, I think one can safely start chatting again without much fear of getting banged. But Arsenal, Davo, they just seem lesser. Until they dumped on their big guns in the second half, Ozil, Wilshire, Giroud, who trotted on, rubbing Vic spray onto his nipples with 12 minutes to go. It was like watching a recreation of one of the dance routines from Madonna's sex tour that when he was on the sideline. and just had, He has a guy that just has to massage deep heat into his, into his prominent... He probably wanted to get them puckered, so they popped through his Arsenal jersey just so beautifully. And Leicester tired, the game became more open. Arsenal's quality was evident. They kept knocking the ball into danger. But I say Robert Hoosh's return gave Leicester a familiar solidity. Wes Morgan had to go full stretch to prevent the self-doomed Theo Walcott uh, from opening uh, Arsenal's account. And it ended 0-0. You'd say Leicester should have had a penalty I at the I thought death. Leicester had a couple of uh, decent shouts for penalties, Rog. And you know, one of the real symbols of what is happening to Arsenal this year is things that you just haven't seen before. I've not seen Bellerin beaten by an opposing forward in memory, I can't remember seeing it. Musa, Ahmed Musa, beat him down the left. I mean, skinned him down the left. And I, don't, I, mean, I don't think he knows enough to know that no one challenges Bellerin. Yeah, for I know. He hadn't known his, he hadn't heard of his reputation. He beat him, uh, and I actually think that it was a, it was an arm and a leg that went across. And I actually think that Musa was very uh, unfortunate I, not to get a penalty. I'd agree decision. with that. And then the cameras cut to Mark Clattenburg, who gave his signature. Suave, no penalty, dramatic gesture. I'll just say about Mark Clattenburg, whatever you think about him, 
That man knows how to time his gestures. Uh, he waits for the close-up. He, he waits does. for the close-up. He get, waits for all cameras, all angles, all on me. And yeah. then he gives his little gesture. He's the kind yeah. of referee that we always laugh about who listens to the 70,000 voices before the game, looks at himself in the mirror of the official's locker room and says, Yes, they've all come to see me. <laughs> Mark Clattenburg. Can I make a prediction about Mark Clattenburg? Would you? you know, we've seen two it sport athletes. Well, does it? We've seen two sport athletes like Deion Sanders. Yeah. Like Bo, uh, Jackson. Bo Jackson. I think we're going to see Mark Clattenburg try to become a referee in another sport. He's going to see that he's transcended. He's going to be a two or three sport referee. That he's transcended merely just being a football referee. He is just like a world-class official in multiple sports. You think so? Yeah, that's what he's going to I can see him more do. becoming an infomercial pitchman. Yeah. For like... Um, Cars for kids. For what was that? For shake weights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The shake weights. That'd yeah. be amazing. I think it'd be amazing. Yeah. I can see that more of a direction. I think uh, maybe a work, do some work if he gets quite big with Crap Cat. Mm. It'd be a very good <laughs> duo. But all in all, a draw, a fair result. This yeah. is the kind of game that turd emojis were made for. Arsenal, two games... One draw, at Rahulk9 tweeted us and said, Arsenal's players' chests currently have more points than the club itself. Mm. To be an Arsenal fan right now, David, yeah. it's complicated. And we, we laugh that Arsenal fans overreact. They toggle between two emotions. We're going to win it all. Yeah, we are. No, not that we're going to win it all. We are the best football team in Ever. the world. And, Ever, and, the, and the other setting is shambles. But yeah. I feel for Arsenal fans right yeah. now. Because to me, to be a football fan... It's a simple hope. We've talked about it before. You always want to feel mm. that tomorrow is going to be brighter than today. Yeah. And right now, you look at what's going on with the club. And even groundhogs must look at Arsene Wenger and think, oh, my God, that guy just never learns. He yeah. keeps repeating the same mistakes. Mm. I think the fact that Arsenal fans pay amongst the highest ticket price in Europe just exacerbates the furor of their feelings. Yeah. Look, Chelsea were in the same position last season, I believe, one point after two games. And I remember the enormous sympathy that came from Arsenal fans at the time. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the reality is, is this isn't tragic. A point away at Leicester is a pretty good point. Uh, that opening day uh, loss to Liverpool is, of course, going to hurt. Arsenal are going to be fine, but they're not going to be the greatest team in football again. And it's going to be another season where they're going to be searching for answers, Rog. That's true, David, but with the same breath. I mean, you do see, yet again, Arsene Wenger treating the first couple of games of the season as if it's still pre-season, spotting uh-huh. City, United and Chelsea a five-point head start, saying the same thing to fans uh, that they have the past couple of seasons. We're working hard to bring in new players. We've got to be convinced they can add to the squad. Uh, a, new, a new wrinkle in that conversation this season. His first mission is to protect the club economically because he's responsible for 600 jobs at Arsenal, i.e. I'm not bringing in an elite striker because I've got to safeguard the job of the club tea lady. Uh-huh. And it does at a certain point get heartbreaking, David. Uh-huh. Look, that tea lady, she's also got an agent in the new Premier League, Rog. Yeah, but she's not a reliable finisher, <laughs> David. She looks great. Or she'd be playing. She trots on. Uh, yeah. th- if she played the fence, she would be playing. <laughs> Saddest news clip that kind of sums up the suffering of Arsenal fans right now was the story, the news story, and I use that word loosely. An Arsenal fan has given his Arsenal jersey with the words Mares and the number 26 on it to a charity shop after confidently tweeting a photo of it prior to the winger signing a new four-year deal with Leicester City. I mean, this just reminded me of the legend of Ernest Hemingway being challenged to tell an entire story in six words, mm. and he mythologically is meant to have instantly replied, for sale. 
baby shoes never worn. <laughs> okay, uh, Rog, Manchester United 2, Southampton nil. The Premier League scriptwriters cast Zlatan as Eddie Winslow and Juan Mata as Urkel in their answer to TGIF Friday evening <sighs> television. A thundering header and penalty kick from Zlatan keep Jose Mourinho's perfect start at Old Trafford intact. This was the best TGIF Friday programming block since ABC cancelled Perfect Strangers. Yeah, I love I that show. do miss Balky. Oh, I miss Balky. Friday football. It's just a perfect panacea for American viewing audiences for whom the weekend happy hour starts now. I will say for diehard Southampton fans who had to take a day off to drive up to Old Trafford, Probably less of a delight. But this game wasn't about Southampton, was it, David? No. Nope. They were the cannon fodder. Yeah. This is all about the poor Pogba Pogback biopic. Yeah. His first game back at Manchester since, I believe, March 18th, 2012. Which uh, I believe Rog. is 1,616 days Good ago math. off the top of Good my head. Good math, Rog. Yeah. Uh, he's back. And apart from that first touch, Rog which bobbled away from him, he looked very tasty. I said, I, said, I loved his pre-match comments. He said, I know you'll have more space in England than in Italy. I'll try and find some of it and run. Without the ball too. And with the ball, it's more physical. So I'm just going to have to kick players. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a pretty much perfect description of the Premier League right there. I also loved how unfazed he seemed before the game. Just joyous, limber, ready. Like Usain Bolt in the second before a race. Mm. Knowing all the cameras were on him, but just not really caring that much. All qualities I'd love to aspire to. My big Olympic takeaway is to try and live with 20% of the passion, confidence and excellence Usain Bolt brings to all that he does. Be amazing to be able to be that calm, that confident in moments of high stress. It did take Pogba a minute. You're right, his first touch, it was woeful. He then conceded possession. He looked for a minute like the kind of guy whose pre-season regimen has largely consisted of playing basketball one-on-one with Romelu Lukaku in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) But the longer the game wore on, the more dominant he became. And unlike at the Euros, I mean, Pogba likes to play on the left in midfield. He likes to attack. And Mourinho gave him permission to roam. And he works his way into the game with a Cruyff turn or two. He can beat opponents with technical ability. Or when he elects to, he can just bulldoze players to create space. I've got to say, there's no doubt he can be potent this season, David. But it's up to Mourinho to make sure that he can be potent consistently and get the full $382,000 a week of value, both on the field and in the social medias. Yeah, but this is year one Mourinho, Rog. And year one Mourinho has got these Man United players playing with a joie de vivre, Rog, with a joie de football. They are loving playing football. You look at pictures of these guys in training. They've got smiles on their faces. They're getting along well. They're enjoying playing their football. I don't think that the football they're playing is a 1,000% different than the football under Van Gaal, but they are playing with joy. They're certainly enjoying being together as a team. Uh, unless their names are Anthony Martial, who seems a little bit morose. Yeah. Marcus Rashford. Yeah, who's not playing at all. Not or the, Memphis Depay. <laughs> and poor old Mkhitaryan. Yeah. Who's going, hey, coach. Yeah. Put me in, man. Yeah. Um, or however you say that in Armenian. I say Southampton. We're pretty wily in the opening exchanges. Tadic's movement in the hole causing all kinds of problems. And United did take time to summon a balance. But then they started to gain traction. Mata, Zlatan, probing. God, Zlatan. No one takes more delight 
in showing off that they're the master of the no-look short pass than Zlatan. Mm -hmm. Southampton started off trying forage on the break. The mere threat of Baye's imminent arrival snuffed out most of those. Yeah. And then the breakthrough. Yeah, Wayne Rooney. Rog, the forgotten man up front uh, for Man United. A fantastic ball, one has to say, into the box. Beautiful. Pogba and Zlatan, two giants taking up so much space, taking up so much attention from each other, from each other's defenders. Zlatan just powers, powers it in uh, past Fraser Forster. Zlatan in for his contractually obliged goal. In the charity shield, he jumped over Wes Morgan. This week, he peeled off Jose Font. I mean, yeah. two giants of the game in the kind of English Premier League defensive mode. And he headed it home with power. Yeah. From a distance, Steph Curry would have struggled to hit a three. Mm. Cometh the hour, cometh the man bun. And I do think, Davo, that it's incredibly significant that it was Wayne Rooney yeah. who crossed that ball. In the first game of the season... He played as a man whose image rights value outstripped that of his play on the field. He really looked like a billboard in cleats. Here, it was a just built a tiny little bald head of steam, raced down a ball into the corner, floated in that inviting, delicious ball. And I don't think Kerry Walsh Jennings could have finished it better than Zlatan did. <laughs> yeah. And it was important to me that with everyone hoping to see how a Zlatan-Rooney partnership would come together, that it was Rooney setting it up. Rooney is his Misty May trainer, so to speak. Yeah, very, very good goal. From there, I'm not sure that Man United ever looked like they weren't going to win the game, uh, Rog, and the penalty inevitably came in the second half. Luke Shaw, who's had a very good season so far, coming back off that awful, awful leg injury. Uh, he goes into the box, gets brought down by Jordi Classy, Rog. Who seemed determined to give away a penalty. It was the kind of tackle of a man who'd captained Zlatan on his fantasy team and wanted to give the Sweden an opportunity to take a penalty. Poor Southampton, you could say. Two times they switched off in this game and two times they were punished. But Zlatan, the self-starred legend, stepped up. Four goals in three games for him, proving initial doubters wrong as to whether he'd be able to find the back of the net in the Premier League. Whether he can keep doing it, only time will tell. Hashtag Angel Di Maria. Yeah. Fantastic. Man United, six points from two games. Looking very, very good, Rog. I mean, they do look good, David. They use the rest of the game to offer glimpses of what could be in the future. Buccaneering swagger is back. They charge forward in numbers. They're passing with smart. There's so many ways this team can hurt opponents. Marcus Rashford has not even been called upon yet. I think United fans are feeling it again. A mood best captured by GFOP at PT Movie Guy. I feel like a bloke getting laid after five years of celibacy. I forgot what exciting Manchester United football could feel like. And then Mourinho in the post-match conference did something which, I've got to tell you, Mourinho does not do very often. He called out individual players, Roger, and specifically Paul Pogba, and talked about how strong he thought his performance was. Can't think of many times that Mourinho did that as Chelsea manager really went out of his way to praise a player. He seems to be playing particular attention to his man management this time. He's also called out, he says how bad he feels for Rashford, how bad he feels for the players who aren't playing right now. And he's desperate for September to come along when they've got the Europa League, when they've got obviously the uh, Capital One Cup, 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 or the EFL, whatever it's called now, Rod. I tell you, the, the person whose comments I, I was fascinated by was Latin, who talked after the game how he has a, quote, vision of United winning the title, which all seems a little premature for me, especially with Manchester City, September the 10th on the horizon. Yeah, and Hull. 
But it's definitely been the kind of start to the season Mourinho would have harboured as close to being a perfect scenario. In his mind, his big money stars slotting in, having an impact, winning two games they should have won, which incidentally, they lost both of them last season. Yeah. Setting a marker, recovering the aura of a heavyweight on the field as well as in the commercial department. And so it is. Manchester United are this season's Leicester City, <laughs> a little team on a fairy tale run no one saw coming. Yeah, you're right. Managed by a former Chelsea man, Rog. OK, Stoke City 1, Manchester City 4. The ever-urbane Pep Guardiola takes his team of global superstars beyond the wall to a city built on ceramics. Braces from Sergio Aguero and substitute Nolito send City top of the table. The scoreline, though, frankly, a bit flattering for the Sky Blues playing in... What would you call that colour, Rog? Puce. <laughs> I call all colours. Burgundy. I, I call all colours. I don't quite know. Just puce. puce. Yeah. yeah. Oh, first big test for hero to all balls. Pep Guardiola. First game on the road. Where did he have to go, Davey? Oh, the bet 365 with a lowercase b. The cliched adage of whether or not he could do it at Stoke. I mean, first of all, let's address the huge swath of our listeners who are currently involved in the great populist movement. Free Joe Hart. Yeah. Just address you by saying we're apolitical at Men in Blazers, yeah. but we do feel your pain. Free, free Joe Hart. If you love someone, set them free. Yeah. Free, free, <laughs> said Joe Free. I'll just say, a Manchester City tunnel without Joe Hart is football's equivalent of a tree falling in an empty forest. You're right. And I do think about him on the bench. I wonder mm. whether he can help himself or whether instinct kicks in. And he just shouts, do some magic to the yeah. fourth official and gets a physio, walks up to him, and just starts smacking him uncontrollably on the back of his head. Yeah. But with Claudio Bravo reportedly on his way from Barcelona. God, poor Joe Davo. Has he yeah. played his last game for City? Will Pep play him in the dead rubber Champions League this week? Yeah. Suddenly he's third string, Davo. I know, by week, how are you? It's very, very tough for him, uh, Roger. There's nothing he can really do. He's not a ball-playing goalkeeper. That's what Pep wants, a ball-playing goalkeeper. He can't suddenly learn to be a ball-playing goalkeeper. I mean, God forbid, Joe Hart playing the ball. He makes enough mistakes with his uh, hands and arms. He's a shot-stopper, Rog, is what he does sometimes. And uh, he just can't change his game. I mean, his demise has just been stunning in its speed. But I think anyone who watches Pep or understands what he expects from his goalkeeper and the sweeper-keeper role shouldn't be surprised. This is what Pep does. Like when he walked into the Barcelona locker room for the first time as manager and just ripped out the talent-soaked but undisciplined heart, Ronaldinho, Deco and Eto. On the first day there, he told the press, these three, they're not in my mind for the future. <laughs> he, sh he should play Yaya in goal in the Champions League. That'd be, what, that'd be a really alpha male move. No, Dave, he wants someone that's good with his feet. Yeah. <sighs> to the game. Shouldn't which... have let go of Milner. <laughs> To the game, which yeah. Joe Hart watched along with us. Yeah. No doubt utterly confused as Willie, his replacement, just kept shanking the ball out of bounds or straight yeah. to the opposition every time he used his feet. Despite yeah. that intrigue, City were dominant from the outset, knocking the ball around as if they were playing a pre-game warm-up drill of Rondo. Yeah. And then, look, one of the big features this year, Rod, it's always interesting at the beginning of the season to see what the referees have decided to do over the summer break. This year, obviously, their big thing is they want to cut down the wrestling in the penalty area. Probably the Premier League's greatest penalty area wrestler is Ryan Shawcross, 
and Ryan Shawcross inevitably uh, called for a blatant hold, let's face it, he held, uh, on he held, Otamendi. He held Otamendi's shirt with one hand yeah. and his arms with the other. Yeah. And then looked at the referee like, since when did arm bars yeah. become illegal? Uh, yeah, I'm Ryan Shawcross. This is how I play football. This is how I've always played football. There is no point to Ryan Shawcross if that's going to be called holding. Should we now be bracing ourselves for the season of 10,000 penalty awards, David? No, they will stop doing this at around week four. The referees? Yeah, the referees will stop doing it. Yeah, I mean, I'll say on one hand, I love this. The lengths defending a corner have been allowed to go to. They are borderline ridiculous. They, they always look like the initial seconds of a brutal bar fight when someone's just been glassed. But if it is going to change, it's got to be constant and known. It can't be down to the idiosyncrasy of one referee. And I don't mean Mike Dean but I do mean Mike Dean. who's awarded more penalties than any other referee in the Premier League since by far than the start of last season. Irrespective, up step to Guerrero. Yeah. Smashed it. Uh, good goal, 1-0. Very much deserved for Man City. It would soon become two. Yeah. In the most Stoke City aways. Yeah, it's a uh, free kick from the right side of the area from Kevin. Kevin knocks it in. Fantastic ball. Four. Who rises to the ball, Rog? Five foot seven, Kunaguero. Five foot seven in heels, Kunaguero. Lovely header. Angled the ball smartly to get his 20th league goal in 20 games. Stoke felt hard done to. I mean, Kolarov got away with a clear-cut penalty challenge against Joe Allen. But in truth, they really couldn't hurt their opponents. And what impressed me most about Pep City in this game was just how hard they worked off the ball, pressing, fighting, always hungrier to get the ball back, pouncing on every scrap. David Silva looking rejuvenated, coiled. And in the words of the late Joe Hart, always looking to make magic happen. Raheem Sterling looking like he actually wants the ball again. Yeah. I mean, all of these are Pep short-term instant impacts. But Stoke wouldn't roll over, and two men in particular stepped up for them. The first was Joe Allen, who was everywhere, doing everything, snarling, creating, tackling. The second, referee Mike Dean. Yeah, referee Mike Dean. The makeup call of all makeup calls. From the corner, Raz, for some reason, defending Ryan Shawcross from the corner. He literally bounced off him at the far post and was immediately called by Mike Dean for presumably bouncing off Ryan Shawcross, which also seems to be an offence this season. It was like watching an NFL kicker try and take out an enormous linebacker on a kick return. The wonderful thing about it was Shawcross's reaction. Shawcross was more annoyed than any uh, Man City player at the awarding of the penalty. Shawcross was like, who even wants to play this game if it's going to be officiated this way? If it's going to become a vegetarian game, <laughs> a game for vegans. <laughs> I'm not interested. Upstep Boyan. Yeah. Rejected by Pep at Barcelona. Yeah. Got a teensy bit of revenge. Well taken penalty at Tenzo Chris tweeted us did penalty kicks test extremely well with the Premier League writers focus groups yeah, this summer yeah and uh, lion wipe transition logo effects <sighs> Roger. nothing better for five minutes City looked vulnerable Stoke had the wind at their backs both figuratively and literally Caviar. whiffed on pass backs with a ball at his feet as the Stoke City fans sang Joe Hart he wouldn't do that <laughs> and Stoke charged forward Lighthouse Bolton's infantry with the flayed man sigil. Lacking perhaps the quality with the last pass to really open City up. John Stones, yeah, you were very good. And I didn't enjoy your post-match interview in which you essentially said, I am so relieved and happy not to be at Everton anymore over the course of a 47-second interview. Three questions he was asked. That's essentially what he said all three times. But then sod him. Pep punctured 
Stokes hopes with two substitutions. Yeah, two very good substitutions. Brings on Nolito, uh, the Spanish forward, uh, and Nihia Nacho, the child. Roger, he doesn't play like a child. Now, few players make more economical use of the limited playing times they get. Nolito, two goals. Jim Beglin, the commentator, very harsh. He said, he's basically just come on to tap it in twice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to put yourself in position to tap it in, though, Rog. 4-1 kind. Those goals came in garbage time. Yeah. But what's your takeaway about Manchester City two games in? You know, they still look like an all-star team, Rog. They look like an all-star team. They don't really play together. I'm not quite sure the style they're going to play, but I'm sure it's going to take Pep a little bit of time to enforce that style. We always joke with producer JW here, who loves watching Manchester City. I would never... As a neutral, he always yeah. says, I, don't, I, don't uh, always, like watching I love them. watching City. I, I would never choose to watch them as a neutral. I, I, As good as they are, that will be the last match I'll watch at the weekend is Manchester City. I don't much enjoy it. They're no Bournemouth. Yeah, exactly. And uh, But I think they're going to be very good. That's yeah, why I, mean, I predicted them in the top four, Rod. Just marvel the depth of squad that Pep has at his disposal of Gundogan and Sané returning to fitness, the tactical flexibility that he has at his disposal as the season starts to take its grind. That cannot be overstated. I don't think any squad in the Premier League can match City's depth no. and flexibility. As you said, they're the... Look, they have Joe Hart as third-string goalkeeper. As much as we joke about Joe Hart, a third-string goalkeeper... Uh, it's pretty amazing. To me, they're the equivalent of the US Olympic basketball dream team. Yeah. Honestly, we thought it was a spa. Yeah, I thought it was a spa. <laughs> uh, okay, Rog, Burnley, two, Liverpool, <laughs> nil. The Jurgen Klopp emotional roller coaster continues one week after a thrilling 4 3 win at Arsenal. Liverpool fall at Turf Moor. First half goals from Sam Vokes and Andre Gray give the newly promoted Clarets their first points of the season and send minibus stock soaring. <laughs> As though, as though Dave Fishwick runs a public company. Last week's win. He doesn't, he, he doesn't want to give up control. Last week's win against Arsenal. Seems like it was seasons ago. In truth, there were two Liverpools last week. The scorers of four yeah. and the conceders of three. Yeah. And the big question before kickoff was, which one will we see at Hobbit sounding turf moor? Yeah. We only had to wait one minute and 38 seconds to find out. Yeah, amazing. Uh, Andre Gray releases Sam Vokes. Sam Vokes, pfft. Knocks in a fantastic, fantastic goal. His first goal in the Premier League, Roger. Yeah, he finished like Simone Manuel, not like a man who'd taken 28 games to score his first ever Premier League goal. Poor Nathaniel Klein, a disastrous game. And Klopp said before the kickoff, this season would all be about whether or not Liverpool had, quote, guts. Mm. And this was a testament. Their front five tried to probe, tried to respond, tried to move the ball flank to flank. Yet with Sadio Mane out injured, the ball movement was slower. And it didn't help that the rarely fit Daniel Sturridge was a subdued figure, Wijnaldum negligible. And Burnley just sat back, challenged Liverpool to break them down. At Oki Who tweeted us, prediction, Burnley will now park the Dave Fishwick minibus. I believe the stat was that the Liverpool back four combined for one tackle in the first half. If you just show no... This is a manager known for getting his teams to gagan press, Rog. There was no gagan pressing. There was no tackling. There was no energy. And then that just, it just caught on like a virus across the pitch. And uh, Liverpool just didn't seem to work hard enough. I mean, there's a Liverpool phrase that my mother uses, that someone can be all fur coat and no knickers. Mm. You think you're all fur coat and no knickers? Mm. And what it means is you're all surface bling and there's nothing of value where it counts underneath. And Liverpool, they were just they were just all fur coat and no knickers. Jordan Henderson, cruelly exposed in the bowels of the deep-lying midfield, no spine. And the magic spell they had at Arsenal was just defanged by Burnley sitting deep, fancying their chances against the brittle Liverpool 
defence, which can only have been dispiriting for Klopp as Spurs await this weekend. And just before half-time, it became so. Andre Gray, uh, Rod, uh, takes the ball on the right, cuts inside. No one coming near to him from the Liverpool uh, back four. And he uh, finishes past Mignolet. Fantastic goal. Two shots on goal for Burnley the entire game. Two goals. But they didn't need more because Liverpool and defending, they go together about as well as Jim Beam and Apple. Mm. That drink they keep advertising looks worse than James Milner at left back. After the game, possession stats much bandied around. Burnley had 19.4 possession. Yeah, it's not a lot. Hope Solo's got a word for you, Burnley. Yeah. You cowards. Yeah. But to be honest, the words I'd use more were organised, disciplined, fearless in the face of all that neon, all those top knots. And the most telling stat to me was Liverpool had 21 shots off target. (laughs) Unbelievably woeful. Yeah. So let's give them a pass, Liverpool. Let's give them a freebie. See if this was a blip. This team that's built to pass its way through opponents at speed. And if that Mm. speed drops a tiny percentage uh, with every player, the collective drop-off is astonishing. But the thing that Liverpool fans are truly hurt by, they know that these are the kind of games you win if you're supposed to be a serious top four contender. Yeah, absolutely, Rog. Uh, Some of Burnley's joy uh, blunted, uh, Rog, by the revelations of Andre Gray's timeline on his Twitter feed, Rog, after the game. Some pretty terrible homophobic tweets, homophobic comments uh, in there. He apologised. He uh, said that he was a different person today, and I, and I think we have to accept that a young man can change, but it certainly was disappointing to read. Yeah, I mean, the tweets were four years ago when he was playing for non-league Hinkley United. Mm. I doubt he's much of a different person right now, Dave, other than considerably richer. And many Premier League players effectively left school when they were 14, and for some, their opinions on society, culture, politics can calcify back then. But I just can't believe the clubs don't scrub the social media of their multi-million dollar investments, Trevor Noah style, David. Yeah. Well, I think it's almost better they don't scrub it because I actually think it's quite good when these things get revealed and it forces people to become conscious of it. Well, I started on Twitter. I tweeted a lot about my rubber knickers. You did. <laughs> you did. Well, we've learned a lot about you today, Rog. At least you have, you're a change man. I'm not sure your knickers are rubber anymore. Uh, they're just regular knickers. Interesting stuff. I'm not the same man I used to be. <laughs> OK, Rog, Watford 1, Chelsea 2, Antonio Conte's side rallies uh, from 1-0 down, grabs two goals in the last 10 minutes. An 80th minute, Mishi Batshui, or it could be Batshu Hawaii. I'm not quite sure. Chelsea exactly fans call him Batman. Batman, very good. Batman uh, put back. And an 87th minute, Diego Costa counter. And Chelsea, their sixth point of the season at the box store slash football stadium known as Vicarage Road in Watfordshire. Three more points. Laboured Chelsea for much of the game. Watford seemed to have it in hand. But again, Chelsea pounced late. Savour the perfect start, Davo. But the work Conte's got to do is clear. There's a lot of work that's got to go and happen. Look, this is a guy still with that same back four who... Uh, looked likely to concede goals. And I thought the Watford forwards gave them trouble all afternoon, uh, Rog. Um, I think what his team do have this season, though, they definitely have some heart, they definitely have some guts, and they seem to have this fitness. They seem to have this late-game fitness, no doubt from the uh, pre-season training regime. But what an inspiration he is on the sideline. He surely cannot keep that up, Rog. Surely he can't continue to have that amount of energy. Um, but I think right now it's, it's mind over matter, Rog. There's nothing, there's no particular player, there's no particular skill, there's no particular change in tactics that seems to be affecting how Chelsea are doing. It all seems to be sort of heart. 
I mean, this was a disjointed, flat, early performance, eerily reminiscent of the last days of Mourinho. Players seemed to lack in care for much of the game and effort, and the decaying defence seeming incredibly cumbersome kind of revealed Conte has got to play Matic and Kante. Yeah, he's got no choice. I mean, which mutes any notion of forward thrust or creativity, especially when you start Pedro. Mm. Even Jesus Navas pities his lack of contribution. And what for Ruben Bolden? Mm. Took the front foot the 55th minute. Kapoo! Yeah. He hit that ball quite hard. Definitely put his shoelaces uh, through it, Rog. Uh, I was almost relieved that Courtois didn't touch it. Yeah, I know. Limb would have taken his arm off. Would have taken off a limb. There would have been limb removal, David. I mean, Conte, though, as you said, changed the game. Late Mm. substitutions. Again. Again, Sesk had not started, benched again. I mean, now 29 is the opposite of the hard-charging, all-round pressing, hungry player that Conte reveres. Yeah. Conte's about energy. Sesk is a luxury good. Mm. But on this day, it turned out that he would become a necessity. First, you're Batman. Yeah, Batshui, another substitute. Rog comes on. He's played fantastically in his limited minutes this season. Yeah, one assist, one goal off the bench in just 22 minutes of play. Mm. One thing I loved about Batshu Ai's goal... Batshu Hawaii. It was Conte's reaction. Other managers would have omitted relief. Mm. Conte's not other managers. No, he wants to press for two. I mean, in-game, he's like a mime on cocaine, living and dying. And as soon as Batman crashed the rebound, he shouted at his men to get back and immediately grab three points. And I think you're right, Davo. The, the incredible punishing regime that he's put his team on through pre-season... There's got to be a causal connection between that and the fact that they've come up strong late in the first two games as their opponents faded. And for the second week on the run, it was Diego Costa escaping what should have been a red, second Mm. yellow. A sign that he was about to, like a volcano emitting smoke, Davo, before it spills out (laughs) lava on the villages below. It's a sign that he's going to score a late winner. Yeah, very, very true. And this winner came from a classic. It was almost a vintage (sighs) 2014-15 Chelsea counter-attack. you know, breaking up a Watford attack just outside the penalty area. Fabregas, a fantastic ball, a much, much fitter Diego Costa out in front behind uh, the Watford defence. He took it, finished it very, very well. I think a little bit fortunate to beat the keeper, but he hit it hard, he hit it well, he hit it firmly. And uh, Chelsea were rewarded at the end of the game for how they played in the last 15 minutes. Uh, and Watford, I know, will feel very, very hard done by to come out of that game with nothing. That pass, Davo, by Sesk, where he took out, he threaded a crevice, three Watford defenders. I mean, it was like Chris Paul serving up DeAndre Jordan with a full length of the core alley-oop to slam down. Mm. Absolutely stunning. Diego Costa, not the greatest performance, but once again, he gets the winner. I don't understand the second yellow dodging it. He must be the kind of man like plane crash surviving Jeff Bridges in Fearless. He only truly feels alive after living through a near-death experience. But I watched this game. And I, I th- partly think, by the way, I know this will sound ridiculous, but I think to a certain extent, Diego Costa is dealt with officials on a curve. Because, let's face it, Diego Costa could sort of be, if you applied a letter of the law, would be sent off in every single game he played. It would be the same with Ryan Shawcross, same with several players in the Premier League. And I think he gets graded on the curve against himself. And versus other Diego Costa performances, this didn't seem a performance, in terms of, from a disciplinary point of view, like a red card performance, like one of his worst. It was a mid-level Diego Costa uh, performance. And so I think for the second yellow to come out, I think they look at it and think, does he really? He hasn't been that difficult to deal with today. We'll keep him on. I think there's a backlash to the backlash in the refereeing circles. It used to be you could do whatever you wanted to to old Diego, and now they've gone the other way, Davo. The one thing I do know for sure, Chelsea would have lost that game last season. 
Yeah, very, very true. Okay. Talking of two teams who seem a little bit different season to season, uh, Rog, Spurs won, Crystal Palace nil, Kenyan summer signing, Victor Wanyama headed home the game's lone goal eight minutes from time to give Spurs their first win of the season. Palace, meanwhile, are the only team in the top flight yet to score a single goal. New season, a new Spurs formation. Mm. With the addition of Vincent Janssen from the start, Spurs fielded two strikers for the first time in 56 games. And the result was unharvested dominance. Buckets of chances made, yet not taken. It took 83 minutes for the deadlock to be broken against what, let's be positive, an impressively robust and physically determined Palace. Really took Damien Delaney limping off briefly with a knock to leave a hole in the defence. And Spurs exploited it from the corner. Yeah, Lamella with the corner. Rog, Harry Kane uh, rises you know, not on corner duty himself. He rises uh, to head the corner into the uh, danger area, Rog. And Victor Wanyama, not known for his goal-scoring prowess, uh, flicks it into the goal. Yeah, Lamella looks ever more confident, which is important because Christian Eriksen is struggling. Mm. And across the back, Tottenham just looks so secure in their belief that they can repel all comers. For Palace, rough start, conceded twice in two games in the 82nd and 83rd minutes, I believe, to start the season with two losses. Heat starting to be on a little bit for Alan Pardew, David. Manager for whom the knock is that he can never sustain the initial impact he has at the clubs. Handed a life belt, $42 million new arrival Christian Benteke. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't start scoring, the sands of time may run out on Pardew. At Franco with AK tweeted us, has Crystal Palace's scoreboard abbreviation always been cry? Or is it just after the last season's second half claps? Yeah, and they need Johan Kabai to get back into form for them to really uh, tick it over, Rog. OK, Swansea City, nil. It's the last big team we haven't talked about, Rog. Hull City, two. Mike Phelan steers the Tigers. What a great story. To their second win in a row, proving the best way to avoid controversy, controversy around squad selection is to have only 13 <laughs> fit players. Goals from Malaysian-born Scott, Sean Maloney and Abel Hernandez maintain Hull's 100 emoji start. <sighs> Given their full name, David, yeah. champions elect yeah, Hull City. Hull City. <sighs> In front of Swansea's new American owners, Jason Levine and Steve Kaplan, who saw their team dominate much of the game without converting any of their opportunities. And boy, did Hull take full advantage. Robert Snodgrass, what an impressive start oh to the season. Oh, my word. Real Madrid's Robert Snodgrass, Rod. And who how did he Scotland, find? How is Scotland not better at football? Oh, and who did he find? Oh, he found Sean Maloney, Rod. Chicago fires in exile, Sean Maloney. Yeah. He always reminds me a little bit of Jeremy Renner. Yeah. He does look a little like Jeremy Renner. I loved uh, Robbie Earl's uh, post-match commentary on this goal. He said he bodies it in, and it was an important body. It really was an important body from Sean Maloney. Oh, you got to credit Hull City, the world's first truly post-modern football team. Managers. You Overrated. Don't, you don't need them. No, you don't need a permanent manager. Squads of players. Oh, don't need Who that. Who needs them? Yeah. Victory. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, I think Swansea City's new American owners are thinking, we might have bought the wrong too, team. Too many players. Yeah, we got exactly. too many players. Too many players. <laughs> Let's cut the squad down. 
It'll be very tough now for Francesco Guidolin to go into his new American owners and say, we just need more players. Yeah, the American's say, well, like, Hull guys, didn't need it. guys, we've done a consultant assessment. We think you only need 13 guys. <laughs> Why do you need more than 13? S- smaller locker room is the key to success. Tighter bonds. More continuity. More belief. Yeah, very true. Wonderful, wonderful. What it's is the future. Plastics. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of plastics, Rog, West Ham won, Bournemouth nil. And Mikhail Antonio, header, five minutes from time, gives the Hammers three points in their first Premier League game at slightly odd to watch football location, a London, London a London Stadium and London Stadium. Yeah, well done, West Ham fans. Yeah. You've got a new stadium to smash up and treat like a toilet. <laughs> you can pee all over it. Yeah. It's because you can't find a seat, apparently. Oh, it was originally built as an athletic stadium for the Olympics. And I've got to say, I love what they've done with the running track around the field. Yeah, they've astroturfed it up, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they've astroturfed it up. Yeah. And it just makes it seem like it. They've tried to say this is just an extremely wide technical yes, area. This was not a running track. But honestly, the gap between the edge of the field and the terraces at the London Stadium. Yeah. It's as wide as the entirety of NYCFC's home field. Pretty much is. And also, it seems to be needlessly narrow, the pitch. It's not a very wide pitch that they're playing on. It felt like they could have used a bit more width. Also, you don't need the lines to be parallel to each other. NYCFC have showed that, and they're top of the Eastern Conference, Rog. You don't need to put your lines parallel to each other. They could have curved the sideline all the way around. Parallelograms. Yes, it would have been fantastic. They're the future. Poor West Ham. They have laboured this season. Andy Carroll injured, IU's injured, Payette is injured. Mm. Ipswich Town, former legend, poster boy of JW's bedroom, Aaron yeah. Cresswell, oh, injured. They, oh, they miss Aaron Cresswell. And they've really struggled. And this was harsh on Bournemouth. Say Harry Arter was sent off for the kind of second yellow that Diego Costa never gets. See, or, he, or the first he, yellow, he got he's one. He's graded on the Harry Arter curve. Yes, he's too yeah, good. Not on the you're Diego too good. Costa you've curve. You've got to be bad you, at you Harry. Got, yeah, you've got to be more consistently badly behaved. They play Crystal Palace this weekend. A huge game for two teams that try and play positive football but currently have zero point. Sunderland, one. Middlesbrough, two. Uruguayan Christian Stuani strikes twice in the first half to claim victory for Borough in the 145th Where Tees Derby, a game that featured two Americans on opposite sides of the follicle spectrum. Oh, two northeastern cities just 30 miles apart. Where Tees. Back after a seven-year absence, cue new American fans wondering what weird tease means, assuming it's a euphemism for mediocre obscurity. Big thrill, though, to American eyes, David. 20-year-old Californian Lyndon Gooch starting ahead of Lenz or Kazri. David Moyes gives him the car keys to his very sensible Volvo mm-hmm. in a game with seismic local significance. And alongside Duncan Watmore and Adnan Yanashai, just charges up and down the flanks in a performance that even in loss, I thought was phenomenal. I actually met Lyndon's brother, Anthony, in San Jose. A month ago was that when we were there for the All-Star game. And he told me in the bar, he came up to me, he goes, I've got a brother that plays for Sunderland. And I was like, yeah, sure you do. Oh, I remember meeting him too. Yeah. Turns out it was Lyndon. That was Gooch's brother. And he is, is Gooch's brother. And Anthony, you are a truth talker, and we—you don't need us to say this. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Your brother is such a wonder to behold. They are tough to play on Sunderland, but he plays like a man who's worked so hard for a chance and is determined to grab that chance with both hands. And I did with the U.S. squad being called together in September. I'll be honest. Number one, he plays like a proper Everton player, Lyndon Gooch. Mm. And number two, I do wonder with U.S. poised to play in September, and with 
an Irish passport and an English one a possibility for Lyndon? I've got no doubt that great stuff awaits there. Sunderland fans clearly already love him. They bellow gooch whenever he rocks a, a successful sliding tackle. It's fantastic. Um, fantastic goal from Stuani, Rog, though. Unbelievable, oh, unbelievable tingling. stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that when he grew up in Tala, Uruguay, yeah. he just dreamed of hitting them like that yeah. in the Weirtees derby. He grabbed yeah. the second. And he, every time the camera cut to poor Brad Guzan in Middlesbrough goal, his mm. teammate, he looked so confused. He didn't know what it was like to play behind defenders who could defend mm. and attackers who could score. Just proof that there is power in your prayers, America. Yeah, very, very true. David Moyes, uh, post-match, uh, prepares the Sunderland fans for relegation. Seems a little premature, Rog. Yeah, I mean, managers say things like that before the transfer window slams shut to try and get their owners to buy another player. But to do so this early in the season, to declare that, you've got to wonder in the locker room if that's a, uh, a, a thoughtful piece of expectation Man- management. management. Yeah. Talking about locker rooms, one of the weekend's most eye-searing spectacles the Middlesbrough victory in the locker room Instagram shot. Midfielder Adam Clayton attempted to do the Ronaldo pose. The whole team were there in victory and he was in his tight white briefs and he neglected to realise that his left testicle was just hanging out there before (laughs) the eyes of the world. Oh, it was searing. Genius, genius stuff. Massive win though for Aita Karanka and his newly promoted team. Three Mm. shots on goals, two goals, the theme of the week. Okay, Rog, finally, West Brom won... Everton, two. Everton go down only to rally back behind Kevin Morales. What a goal. And Gareth Barry, also a good finish. Rog, can even you summon a dark cloud over Ronald Koeman's silver lining in this game? Um, these feelings I'm feeling, David. You don't understand them, I do you, I don't understand Rog? them. They're like of joy. And I think one's called optimism. Mm. One's hope. They're just names to me. They're just new. It's like having a new little kit and I'm just getting used to them. But Everton went 1-0 down at West Brom. When you go down at Tony Pulis's West Brom, you have a mountain to climb. It's what yeah. West Brom do. They just sit back and defy you yeah. to break them down. And Everton had seemed lackadaisical. No movement, passing aimlessly. It was very last season. But unlike last season, Kuman made an immediate change. 38th minute, threw on Romelu Lukaku. Yeah. And the impact was instant. Everton just suddenly more incisive. Yeah, much more incisive. Before we just go through the action, can I compliment Everton on one thing? That is a fantastic away strip. It's a beautiful away strip because it seems related to their home strip in some way. Incorporates yellow, a historic colour for this team. It just is a great looking away strip. I think it's the best looking away I strip. I think in it's the actually Premier. the third strip. It is. It's a fantastic I, third strip. I did get an email from Umbro asking me if I wanted one. Yeah, you do. Well, I'll, said, I'll wear one of I those. I, I loved do. it. And do you know what player I got on the back? Who? Idrissa Gay. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Yeah, he's very, very good. The goal was fantastic, Rog. Barkley looking reborn under Koeman, Rog, playing very, very good football. Uh, A little wonderful one-two with Morales on the end of the area. And what a good finish. Third in five games for the Belgian. Then Gareth Barry locked up the game with a brave header when the post was right between his eyes as he knocked the ball home. I love what Koeman said. It was his 100th game, Gareth Barry at Everton. He's had this late kind of legacy where you kind of wonder if he was in the Hall of Fame, which cap which baseball cap he would wear. He has become, had a beautiful last foray, although I do think he'd probably choose Aston Villa. Barry is one of the best players I've ever managed, Koeman said after the game. His cleverness in football is of 
the highest quality. And for me, David... Well, he's been playing for about 127 years. He's got a lot of experience at this point, right? He was one of the few players still playing who attended Brad Friedel's bar mitzvah. <laughs> and Everton's first win under Ronald Koeman was their first Premier League points taken from a losing position since December 2015. So many positives. Balassi came on pulsating. Young Mason Holgate looks like a prospect and a gem. The news post-game got yeah, even Yeah, that better. bounce pass to Gareth Barry for that goal was amazing, Rod, from Holgate. <sighs> well, it, that was, it was Holgate's shot, which he bounced into the ground, which bounced up for Gareth Barry. Yeah, reactions. But the news post-game got even better. Romelu Lukaku staying this season. Yeah. Oh, how I feel right now about Everton, David. It's like Bruce Springsteen when he said, pessimism and optimism are slammed up against each other in my records and the tension between them. It's where it's all at. It's what lights the fire. I love it, Rob. <laughs> Sounds better out of his gob than mine. I'll tell you, still so many new fans tuning in for the first time. I did want to read one tweet from at Paulie1138. He tweeted, embarrassed to find out that there's no player on Everton named Jackie Elkup. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, Rog. He said, okay. hashtag American ears. Okay, how was your fantasy football Weekend, Rog, because it's time for our togger. Not as good as producer Lexi. Football update. She's unbeatable. She's, she's phenomenal. One of, she's one of the tops in the world. She's a savant. She's world ranked. She's but, the Serena Williams but anyway, of togger fantasy I know you're listening football. to a Swansea football club owner's Jason yeah. Levine. Yeah. And I think for your next manager, you might want to get produced Lexi. Lexi. She knows what she's doing because we clearly don't. Yeah. Um, I was burnt, Dave, this, yeah. this week mm. by Fernando Lorente. First week he was fantastic, mm-hmm. but it's always a bad sign yeah. when your striker, on whom you count to mm. get the most points, walks onto the field with a baby in his arms. Yeah, and it just went downhill from there for me. How was yours? I had a pretty good weekend. I think I scored more than a hundred points. I was in the top twenty percent, I believe, in our league. Uh, my team are Ben Foster, Hector Bellerin, Funes Mori, Carl Walker, Eric Bailly, Mares, Coutinho, Deli Ali, Sergio Aguero, all contributed. I just failed to substitute out Andy Carroll uh, before the game. I was playing tennis on Sunday morning. I forgot to do it. <sighs> From last week's winner, Matt Flett, who wrote to us, he said, I appreciated the Togger shout out, not least because it will give me bragging rights over GFOP John Green, whose son plays against mine in an Indianapolis Recreation League. All I need to do now is write a few bestsellers and make a Hollywood movie and we'll be equal. I've got to tell you, knowing John Green as I do, he would probably prefer to just be number one for a week in our Togger League. How'd you do it, David? Yeah, definitely. Sign up for our Fantasy League. There's a new game every single week, Every Rog. week. We're loving the joy of being humiliated on a weekly basis by thousands of GFOPs in our Fantasy League and especially by producer Lexi. Not too late to sign up and really easy to play. All of the information is on meninblazers.com and playtogger.com. That's two Gs, togger, T-O-G-G-A.com. Sign up and support a really beautiful American success, small yeah. But beautiful American success story, Austin, Texas-based Togger. Yeah, and reminder that Perfect 11 is a weekly game, so even if you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. This week's winner, To Dare Is To Do, managed 256 points, Rog. This person actually started... 
Sean Maloney and Christian Stuani. He's a prophet. She's a prophet. This guy may be the Premier League writer, Rog. They will receive... He or she may be a witch. Yeah, he or she will receive a special Men in Blazers Very special. fantasy patch. That patch is currently being designed by elves in a sweatshop in Shanxi province, Rog. And there's a big prize for the whole thing, yeah. which was so big, we're still... We're waiting really for Crap Cat to decide what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, we we work exactly. for him and her now. Exactly. Okay, in MLS, Rog. MLS. Seattle 3, Portland 1. The Sounders beat the Timbers Sunday night behind a Clint Dempsey brace. The Sounders have won three straight and are within two points of Portland for the final Western Conference playoff spot. Yeah, since firing Siggy Schmidt, mm. American Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Seattle have drawn 1 1 3. Mm. Great to see Clint scoring again. Jordan Morris causing havoc, running at defenders. Christian Roldan, such discipline in the midfield. And after struggling impotently for much of the season, they are making a hard charge towards the playoffs. Mm. And thanks to the quirks of the fixture list, they play arch-rivals Portland again. Wow. This Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, a fight akin to a football game played over an open moon door. And on Friday, MLS announced a new team. Minnesota United FC. Now, I really would have liked to have been in the creative brainstorm when they came up with that out-the-box name, David. We're not just going to be United, but we're also going to be FC. They're going to join Atlanta United. Why not Atlanta United FC? That's crazy. As one of the two expansion franchises beginning play next season. Can I tell you something, David? Uh-huh. I love the Minnesota NASL team. It's going to be fascinating to watch them get ready within six months for, for the big leagues. But Minnesota's had so many great team names. They had the Kicks in the late 70s. They were the Thunder. They had the Stars. They could have gone with any of them. They could have gone Minnesota Red Wings after the boot. The Bunt Cakes. The Zubas. Like those pants. I think they came out of Minnesota. But I don't understand why they all take on English football team names. Why they're safe. We'll go United. We'll go Sid. They just sound like placeholders. What would you rather they were called, Rog? I just think every country has its own naming traditions. Mm. I mean, Switzerland, where the young boys burn. And I do believe the US will only be a truly great football nation when we can self-confidently name our soccer teams. Yeah. Minnesota Zubas. Yeah. That's all. We taped a pod special last week with the LA Galaxy, Stevie Gerrard. Oh, you cursed him. It's fantastic. They lost to NYCFC, Rog. They did. I've got to say, it was amazing to listen to a world-class player nearing the end of his career talk about the emotional experience and the move from the Premier League to MLS from Liverpool to Los Angeles and his first life-changing encounter with In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> yeah, I know. They love In-N-Out Burger, the, uh, the Premier League players who come over. Life. They love it. In-N-Out? In-N-Out Burger? He loves it, Rog. Okay, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet, philosopher, sucker, scribe, raven of the week is Melly Broadhouse from Asheville, North Carolina. Melly. What a good name, Melly Broadhouse. Dear Baldies, I watched with wonder as Brazil trumped Germany, sorry, Brazil trumped Germany on penalty kicks, no less, to win the Olympic footballing gold. Cue scenes and the deification of Neymar. Yet while there was joy, yet while there was joy all over Brazil, no one in the world of soccer seems to really care other than showing a gratitude they can get their club players back now. Except for Chelsea fans who don't really want John Obi Mikel back. How big a deal Bronze is medal the winning. Olympic football tournament? And now Brazil have won. Does it prove that all that was apparently wrong with their footballing infrastructure is now not as bad as initially feared? I believe that's a leading question, Melly. What do you think, Rog? Discuss Olympic soccer. 
I'd say the world, winning the World Cup, it's yeah. like winning the NCAA Basketball Championship if it was only played once every four years. And Olympic football is like winning the NIT. Yeah. I mean, it's meant to be lesser. It is the FIFA didn't want it to compete. So they said it's under 23 teams. There's fewer teams in it. I think it's inevitably lesser, but context is everything. And after, I mean, we were in Brazil. We were in Rio, Davo. That, that night of the 7-1 loss, oh. the failed promise of delivering the World Cup at home in 2014. What was that like? Just recall that night, oh, David. It was horrific. It was so depressing. Rod, families in tears uh, walking uh, down Copacabana, just desperate after that loss. So if you couple that pain with the fact that for all of its national glory in football, the Olympic tournament was one that Brazil never had and that Argentina had twice. Mm. And even though the rest of the world doesn't really care about Olympics football, Brazil has always harboured a national yearning. So there was real joy felt across Brazil at this achievement. This win, it, it was like losing in the final row ceremony in The Bachelor, but then still finding a real love with a local dentist. That's why I'd kind yeah. of the equivalent of it. And from a human perspective, no one is going to erase the 7-1 memory. The World Cup is much more than the Olympics, but Neymar scorching that winning penalty to land the first Olympic goal for Brazil in the Maracana. It does prove that redemption is always possible in life. I mean, I would say it's similar. A lot of people have asked me what I think about Olympic golf. I think Olympic golf was quite a success. Justin Rose, uh, fantastic win. He really wanted to be there. But Olympic golf is nowhere near winning a major in golf. And that's sort of how I would equate the Olympics. It's nowhere near a major. And in terms of whether it covers over the challenges that Brazil's facing with its infrastructure, it has no bearing on it. Brazilian football is still incredibly corrupt, deeply challenged, and its problems at the international level are going to continue for a long, long time. But I will say, to English eyes, watching Germany lose on penalties was incredible. It's like watching a moth extinguish a flame by flying into it. <laughs> uh, OK, your weekend looks like this, courtesy of Mini USA. Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Tottenham versus Liverpool on NBCSN. Later that day, a battle of unbeatens as Hull City hosts Manchester United. What a game at 12.30 Eastern Time on NBCSN. And on Sunday, Manchester City versus West Ham, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, also on NBCSN. What a good weekend of Premier League football, Roger. It's fantastic. In MLS, Portland Timbers, as you said earlier, run it back against the Seattle Sounders this Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. Many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for items, big or small, just click off the Emporium page. Many Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you going to put in the Emporium this week, Rogelio? A book. A book. Powerhouse. The Untold Story of Hollywood's Creative Artist Agency mm. by James Andrew Miller. Or is it James Andrew Miller? Mm. The great media oral historian is Saturday Night Live in ESPN books that he co-wrote and must read. This one he wrote on his own. It charts the rise and fall of super agent Mike Ovitz. Mm. And it is a must read. It could have been tighter than its 700 pages. And one side of my body is really muscly after carrying it around for the last week. So without doubt, from everyone I've spoken to, far too kind to Ovitz. But any young reader eager to understand how hard individuals have to hustle to get their start, the visions which empower that hustle, and the crucial nature of thinking differently to all those around you, like the characters in this book do to succeed, especially Ron Meyer and Ari Emanuel. That's what makes it such a fascinating read. Uh, I know a lot of these people. Rog, used to work for Ovitz at Disney. I desperately need to read this book. Okay, Rog, 
I'm putting in something slightly different uh, into the Amazon store uh, this week. I threw a party for my 12-year-old daughter, JJ, this weekend. Hashtag not invited. She, had, uh, she just had 15 girls over, Roger. It was a girls-only party. 15 girls over for a pool, chill, makeup, and dance extravaganza. Do children and not have clowns and magicians anymore? No, they've got something better, <laughs> Roger, which I'm putting in the Amazon store. I bought on Amazon just four disco lights that made the evening, Roger. It's amazing how it's life-changing, mate. The SuperTech 12 color changes RGB sound activated 10 watt 2 inch 1 mini rotating magic ball stage light for KTV Christmas party wedding show club pub disco DJ. I bought Four of these lights from SuperTech, Rog, $15.99 each. That is $64, less than $64. How did you hold yourself back and just buy four? Just bought four lights. But in the dark, putting light, sound activated, it just made the night for these girls. They loved it. They choreographed routines. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing evening uh, of 12-year-old girls dancing, Rog. It was a brilliant, brilliant evening made by those disco lights. And the ad sales guys, it depends. If you're on, yeah. the, on the advertising account, yeah. we will put two of those four in the panic room <laughs> if you want exactly. to buy in and make it the depends panic room. Very, we'll go all out, man. True, Rog. Visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our partner Guinness. We've got a newsletter going out this Friday in which we're going to have an interview with Arlo White, Rog. Arlo White. Do you remember him? Yeah, ahead of his return to the gantry this weekend and a world-exclusive Dave Fishwick, Rog, on Burnley's big win. He's not just going to talk about He's going to talk about life. Yeah, about mini life. buses. Can I just say one quick thing? Yeah. I have a record label, the Idleson Society. Yeah. And our first ever act that we signed yeah. to our record label yeah. died yesterday. <gasps> 101-year-old Irving Fields, who released an album we re-released, Bagels oh. and Bongos, in 1959. We released it 10 years ago. Oh. And he's passed. He was a New York legend. Uh, his obituary was in the Times today. Oh. I, I'm sorry, Rog. He died at 101. I just yeah. want to say to everyone, to life. Yeah, absolutely, Rog. Follow us on Twitter, at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett. On Instagram, at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davies. On Facebook, Men in Blazers. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. You can send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. Send us your submissions for Premier League wipe transition lion cat influence. Your own cat Denny's. Yeah, absolutely, Rog. Vendepunkt. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosion. Courage. Do it for Harvey. Is that your analysis? To see a sucker. Abrogado. Rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fight in America. Love you, Rog. Love you, Davo. <laughs>